Goodness, gentlemen, that was wonderful. Uh, that song has aged very well, Elton. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. <laughs> I want y'all to know that um, the reason I don't clap a whole bunch is because it bounces off my, my mic and makes a whole lot of booming noise. But internally, every Sunday, I'm clapping. And uh, I'm clapping really hard today, guys, so I just want you to know. I have such joy to see you today. I really do. Um, I, I have been reflecting about the journey from how I got from where I was to where I am today, and I, I kind of want to share some of our journey together uh, as people, and uh, you'll see how it kind of fits into our theme for today. My very first memory of church was going with my granny. Uh, it, it would have been before I was five years old. Uh, going to her Baptist church in Fort Worth. And it was an old building in an old part of Fort Worth. And I remember those, those big kind of like, like globe lights that hung from long bollards on the ceiling and uh, those cardboard fans, you know, with a handle on them. Because it was hot. It was always hot. <laughs> it seemed like we never went to church in the winter. Not that it would make a difference in Fort Worth, but... Um, <laughs> But I, it was always hot, so we were always fanning. And uh, I remember the stories about Jesus that I heard and the old Baptist hymns. And there was one that came to my mind as I was thinking about that today uh, called He Lives. And uh, if uh, those of you who grew up in more traditional churches, He Lives, He Lives, Christ Jesus Lives Today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives, he lives within my heart. Nice song. Really weird for a kid. <laughs> because uh, all those things that we were taught, if, especially if you grew up in a traditional Christian church, all the things that we were taught were a mix of pictures of Jesus the white Anglo-Saxon Jesus, you know, with long hair, very pretty. Yeah. Um, and, you know, meeting with the children under, uh, uh, on a bench somewhere or calling up to Zacchaeus in the tree to come on down. He'd have dinner with him. Uh, you know, things like that, turning the tables over. I had a picture of that in my kid's Bible. Jesus flinging those tables. I was like, whoa. And... Um, I hope you did that when you heard the story first. Whoa. And so I had all these images of this Jesus and then this thing about Jesus living in my heart. That abstract concept is a little difficult for a kid. And it really drove the point home when I read an article this week that you may have seen as well from Vanity Fair about Margaret Wise Brown, who wrote Good Night Moon. Um, most of you have children or grandchildren that have read Good Night Moon, and if you're not familiar with it, it's a very basic little book, beautiful illustrations, and, and you're just saying good night to all the different things in the room and outside the room, and Good Night Moon. And there is no story, it's just saying good night to all these things before you go to bed. It has kind of a nice cadence to it when you read it. 
so it's supposed to lull children into sleep. Well, Margaret Wise Brown, studied in the school of thought back in the 1930s, when social psychology and early childhood development was just becoming a thing. And her teacher talked about a, a philosophy called here and now, that children understand concrete objects that they can see. And they are not, their brains are not quite ready yet for the arc of a story when they're very young. They're not quite ready for abstract things. They need those concrete things. Good night, chair. Good night, red table. Good night, bunny. And for them, the abstract concepts are things that, that little minds have to um, find an equivalency for. Like, oh, it hurts so big, it hurt big like the whole world. Does this sound familiar uh, to you with, with young children? And so it makes sense that the concepts of religion would be difficult for little children. And so we started out, if you grew up in any kind of a, a church or synagogue, started out with concepts of God, concepts of the universe, that maybe were a little hard to grasp because they were abstract. And so in that framework, am I, are you identifying with this so far? Okay, good. Because I know this is a little intellectual, but hang on. Um, get your brains working this morning, so I hope you had your coffee or tea to get started. Um, so it's no wonder that I felt some confusion about all of this. And growing up in a in a um, traditional evangelical even setting, uh, it was easy as I got older and older to begin to fall into that ecstasy, I guess, or that sense of falling into something bigger than myself because there were rules laid out for me. There were rules laid out. All I had to do was follow those rules. But, but I remember very young, like nine, maybe younger, I asked a lot of questions. I drove my mom nuts about everything. But I remember at, at nine years old thinking, now, that just doesn't make sense to me. And not only did things not make sense, but asking about it wasn't good either. Because then you didn't have faith if you asked the question. So, yikes, what a position to be in. Well, we come from a long tradition of this. If we go back to the Hebrew Bible, and again, I, I, for those of you who haven't heard me talk about this, the Bible to me, from the Hebrew Bible through the New Testament, is a journey of our spirituality. It's our evolution as spiritual people. And so, in the beginning, God created this and this and this and this, and we had dominion over it. And when I first heard that, it was like, okay, well, we're the boss. We're the boss of everything. We're the boss of everything doesn't work, right? Uh, please see the reference climate change. Please see reference uh, extinction of species. Please see reference we're in trouble. 
So being the boss over everything isn't what we might have thought when we were children. But we look at the Hebrew Bible, and there is a pattern. God gives a law, or ten. Did you see what I did there? Okay. God gives laws. As long as we, as long as we follow the laws, then we're in God's favor. If we don't follow the laws, then we're in God's wrath. And bad things happen. And the people go, oh, we're sorry. We should have been following the laws. Let's follow the laws and good things will happen. So follow the laws, God's favor, get lax about it, get a little self-important, break the laws, God's wrath. You know the pattern? Stanley, am I pretty much on track here? Yeah. So there's a pattern. So we had it laid out for us long before Jesus came along. And Jesus said, yeah, there's the law, but then there's more. There's this relationship. And whatever you believe about Jesus, Jesus did teach that we have a relationship with God that's more than just obedience to laws. And I'm simplifying things, but that's the kernel of what I'm talking about. Jesus said, no, you have a relationship with God. So Jesus took social psychology and early childhood education, (laughs) and he gave parables. He said, here is this thing, which is just like this thing. And, uh, And here's the story that goes with it. And here is the climax of the story, and here's the conclusion. In very simple terms... And all you have to do to capture a group of people, no matter what age, is to say, ooh, once upon a time, there was, and people listen. And as children mature, they begin to get how stories go, right? But you start out with basic objects. Jesus talked about a mustard seed. Jesus talked about a fig tree. Jesus Jesus lived examples of Fish, catching fish, walking on water. And we know that that most likely did not happen, but there was some kind of demonstration of faith and demonstration that we are bigger than that which we see. So even as Christianity evolved, it still followed that model of Obey the rules of Christianity. Follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you will have this. But be careful because you can fall out of favor. And your sins are forgiven, but they're not. (laughs) Really? What am I supposed to do with this? And I remember asking that question when I was a kid. It did not make sense to me took me a long time to figure out that the teachings of Jesus made sense. Religion didn't. Ooh, said the minister of 30 years. <laughs> and I watched a program a few months ago that you may have seen, I think it was on Netflix, about a woman who uh, started an, an evangelical, charismatic, movement, church in Tennessee that really became a cult 
and she mysteriously died in a plane crash. I remember watching that show. She died during the filming of the documentary. Hmm. But I remember watching that and remembering the seductive pull of a church in which you fell into this set of rules that you're doing with a bunch of other people and you all feed off of each other's energy about that. I remember what that felt like as a teenager. Like it feels good, but not. Yeah, this sounds like the way to go, and I'm kind of scared not to do it, but it doesn't feel right. So remember in the Hebrew Bible and in modern religion, fear is a great motivator. Fear is a great motivator. So we've come from, all of us, mostly all of us. Richard Newsom, you are the exception because you grew up in unity. So you're exempt from this talk today, just letting you know. Okay, yeah, you can go. That's fine. Thanks for sitting at the back. Take care of things. But here's, here's what we have to deal with. We have to deal with all the time this pull toward fear. I must do this spiritual practice or I'll be in trouble. I must believe this certain way or I'm, 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 I'm in trouble. And the ultimate responsibility for our spiritual life and our relationship with the divine lands fully on us. It lands fully on us. Now take a breath, because that is an awesome, awesome gift. It's an awesome responsibility gift to know that we're not following anything on the outer. We are listening for everything on the inner. And so we move as children with laws and rules around us, concrete things that we can put our attention on to this internal universe that is very flexible and changing and moving and evolving in us and as us. I want you to know that I am aware that as a female New Thought minister, I am running against the grain of a lot of things that are out there right now. If anybody ever decided to come with torches and pitchforks, target. <laughs> and this is going out over the World Wide Web. Here's the thing. I love everything that I came from because it taught me. It became ingrained in me so that, thank goodness, every now and then, 
all those uh, sword drills trying to find verses in the Bible. Can you believe that's what we called them? Sword drills. Because it was the sword of the Lord. I got there first. More popsicle sticks from my craft in, in Bible school. Those verses come back to me when I need them. That hymn that I told you about this morning came back to me just like that. When my, one of my grandmothers died, oh boy, Little Country Baptist Church, they played the old rugged cross. <sighs> my goodness. That was a dirge. For those of you who didn't grow up in that, that was a dirge in the Baptist church. Not a joyful hymn. It was about death, death, death. Not a whole lot about resurrection. It was about blood. Great motivator. Great motivator. So we children are able to move from those concrete rules and laws to find truths that are deeper and more real to us that we can identify with and embrace on our own timeline. I say our own timeline. Usually when a big truth needs to come to us, we get smacked with it so that we get it really deeply and really quickly. But that's still our timeline, my friends. Our growth is our timeline. I love that Master Jesus came before and said, this is how you do it. You, you don't have to believe a bunch of stuff, but this is, how, this is the way I lived it. At least it's a story from other people about the way he lived it. And most of it makes sense. And we have, like Abby was saying today, we are free to choose what works for us and what doesn't. If you don't believe that miracle, that's okay. If you look at that miracle and you have a deeper lesson from it, that's great. It's all good. It's all good. We get to relax into and be the boss of ourselves. How many hours, days, months, and years have we spent trying to be the boss of other people? Doesn't work. Uh, yeah, does not work. Because we also don't want anybody to be the boss of us. Thank you very much. But that's what we do, isn't it? We look to things to tell us how to be. We, it's easy to be in a, a herd. And follow that herd. Not even thinking about it. When ultimately, we, we're standing alone in the field. Surrounded by everything that is God. Alone but not lonely. And we have companions that walk with us on that path part of the way. Sometimes for a long time. And we find joy and comfort and identification with each other. And we find a place for our tears and a place for our laughter and a place for our, our fellowship with each other. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it wonderful that we come together like this and we have that way to hold hands with each other and tentatively hug each other again? 
I don't know if you saw my, uh, my uh, midday reflections on Thursday, but I went outside just long enough for my hands to be numb to do my little talk on Facebook Live. And I talked about how kind people were in the grocery store on Wednesday. People were kind and generous and patient. And given that we all have a little bit of PTSD from the last big winter thing we had, what an amazing thing. You know, I expected to go to the grocery store and see a demolition derby of grocery carts. And it wasn't like that at all. As a matter of fact, when I was in line to, I was about to put all my, my groceries on the thing, the belt. And a young man came by me with a case of water on his shoulder. And he had already gotten it. He was just carrying it through the checkout line. I went, oh, where did you find that? I didn't, because the water aisle was like sparkling or forget about it. And he said, oh, it's all the way at the back of the store on the end cap. I said, oh, darn, I missed it. He said, do you want mine? I can go back and get another one. That right there carries me for days. The kindness and goodness of people. Whew, that still gets me. That still gets me. Because it wasn't that long ago that we were going to the grocery store like, don't breathe at me, you know? <laughs> Get back with yourself. What a, what a couple of years we've been through. We're one month short of two years since our last service in this building for a while. That was a real confusing sentence, so... I hope you stayed with me on that one. I saw a thing the other day. I'm just giving you a little joke to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. He said, in 2019, what would you have made of this statement? Wordle is the sourdough starter of Omicron. <laughs> what? So all of those are only relevant for the last two years, and a couple of them are only relevant for the last few months. So, <laughs> saw a reading this week. Whether about whether we belong to the past or to the future, and I've talked about a little bit of both today. It's important for us to embrace and love what was so that we can be who we are today, so that we have a roadmap for the future. Whether we belong to the past or the future, we always miss being in the present. We tether our heart-mind to that which does not exist and try in vain to carry on somehow, feeling the stress of hanging on to a heaviness that has mistakenly plonked itself upon us. The Buddha talked of the middle way. While it has many interpretations, we apply it to understand the idea of belonging to the present, treating the present as a point in the continuum of time. This is where we find our dominion, my friends, right here, right now. Our first belonging is to ourselves, and we exist only in the present moment. This does not mean that we erase our past from our memory and do not work toward our goals. It simply means this, 
Be like the tree. We can stand firmly on the ground with our roots, our past, and the heritage that nourishes us. Aim for the sky, have an eye on the future, and relish each moment's emergence with all our senses, new branches, leaves, flowers, fruits, and the fragrance. By engaging with life in such a way and holding each moment with mindfulness, we bring ourselves to a space of belonging in the present. In this mode, we do not engage our previously held beliefs or preferences. We do not let our future goals get in the way of our being, and we simply are. It is this preparation and return to what is now that is vital for the cultivation of belonging. The gate to belonging opens with the key to the present moment. Where in the time continuum do you belong? So rather than surrendering to a religious concept or a set of rules to guide our way, where we don't have to think for ourselves, we just follow those rules, what we're really doing is surrendering to the presence within us that is right here and now, and we are letting go of that which doesn't serve us any longer. In New Thought, um, the Fillmores in particular called it the error self. If you've got a little, uh, a little monster that lives inside you that tells you you're not worth it, that tells you uh, you don't know what to do, that tells you you're afraid, just say, well, hey there, little error self. That's not what we're about today. Today we are about living with God in the present moment. Today we listen for what is right for us. And by golly, those Ten Commandments, they make sense now. I won't put anything else before God. I won't devote my energies toward wanting something that somebody else has. I'm not going to murder anybody. I'm not going to kill anybody with my thoughts, words, or deeds. Huh, that makes sense now. That rings true for me. That's where dominion is. You listen to all the great teachers, all the great rabbis and prophets and uh, truth teachings and poetry and things that move you deeply. And you determine, you take dominion over your own truth. You take dominion over the part of yourself that wants to just slack in your spiritual or physical life. And you find that rhythm. You be the boss of yourself. And so you can laugh a little bit when it gets heavy and go, just hang on a minute. I'm the boss of me, not you. And that you is still inside here. You know what I mean? That part of you that's going, nick, nick, nick. You're not the boss of me. I'm the boss of me. 
I have dominion over my thoughts. I have dominion over my truth. I have dominion over the actions that come out of that. That young man in the store had dominion over his kindness and compassion for a gray-haired lady with a mask. My gosh. That's who we are. That's how we practice dominion. That's how it was spoken in the very first book of the Bible. God said, you have dominion over all of this. Beloved, you have free will. You have dominion. What are you going to do with all this? What are you going to do with all this bounty here on the earth? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with all this bounty of the relationship that we have with each other, beloved? What are you going to do with that? Hear that voice. Hear that. And let's pray. Breathe into this moment. Nothing else. This moment. Breathe into it. And you'll discover there's so much more joy there than you thought. Just breathe into it. No matter what is facing you right now, there is a voice deep within you that emerges exactly when you need it to guide you. It may be a whisper or a shout. It may be in the words or the actions of another. It may be a revelation that comes to you when you're unloading the dishwasher. And how precious, how precious that it abides with you 100% of the time. You and that which created you never apart, never apart. That next breath you take, it's God. That exhalation, that's God. The movement of, of blood through your body, electrical impulses that keep you alive, that's God. And when all of that ceases, that is God. You are free. Beloved, you are free. You are free to live in God all the time. And if it feels new or uncomfortable or if you need a refresher, try on the garment of God for a little while and wear it. And it'll slip off your shoulders and you'll put it back on again. And behold, you will see God in so many things. And right now, where your feet are planted, there is the root of the tree. 
And the next breath is the present, flowering, blooming, fragrant. Just breathe for a moment. Experience it. Just breathe. You're the boss of those intruding thoughts. And just set them aside with patience and gentleness. Know that right now, if you're here in the room or if you're distant from us, that we are in spirit holding hands with each other to lend encouragement and support. And God said, it is good. And so it is. Amen. <laughs>